0: Welcome to the first episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. It is September 2nd in the worst year on record, 2020. On this podcast, we will discuss all things brewers baseball over a couple of beers in true Wisconsin fashion. Beer and baseball, you know, it just doesn't get better than that. I'm Dave Gasper, joined by my co-host Matt Carroll. Uh, we are the editors uh, at ReviewingTheBrew.com and we are joined in this inaugural episode of the Cold Brew Podcast by Robert Murray, former brewers beat writer at The Athletic and National MLB Insider. Uh, Robert, it's very significant that you're here, uh, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's a very significant time for me, so this is it's an honor, let me tell you. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if you can see, but I am wearing my uh, Mauricio Dubon uh, who was way in your in your significant trade uh, <laughs> last year? right there. Oh
1: yeah,
0: yeah I'm, I'm I'm unfortunately not wearing a uh, a Drew Pomeranz jersey,
2: so I, I oh guess I'm yeah, joking.
0: yeah. So did did you know that it was Pomeranz at the time when you said it was significant, leading everyone else to believe it was someone else? Or can you take us through that moment? I think that one's just going to live on Twitter forever.
2: Yeah, it, the memes created from that have been relatively unexpected. But like when I found out about the information, I first heard about Dubon, and I checked with another source, and we're getting a reliever in return. And it's like, okay, that means it's not Bumgarner. So the number one guy that I'd heard connected to the Brewers was Will Smith. And it's like, I mean, I hadn't heard anything about Pomerantz, so I just – I. Then I asked if, if it was significant, and he said yes. And it's like, okay, I'll use the word significant because I wasn't <laughs> able to say Smith because I didn't have it confirmed. And all of a sudden, I get a text from Rosenthal saying, I don't, it's not Baumgarner. And I said, yeah, it's a fur reliever. So I'm under the impression it's, it's Will Smith. And then he texted later, it's Pomerantz. And I'm thinking, Oh no! And <laughs> Twitter just went up in flames.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> um, Twitter it's is not a fan of the story other... ever since. <laughs> to say the least. No, um, I, I ended up getting some some very nasty messages, but it all turned out to be some pretty good fun. And actually, um, there's a couple of Brewers fans who made a cake for me at uh, at one of the tailgates. It actually had the word "significant" written on it, along with like Bob Uecker and Jeff Levering. And, and it's just, it's.
0: Yeah, it's, it's taken on a life yeah, of its own. It, it really has. Yeah, it has. Yeah, and I, you just got to embrace it, you know? It's just kind it's of just kind of part of who you are now. Oh, it, it really is. It's
2: basically, I, I even had somebody say that I should get a significant tattoo, but I don't know if we're going to be at that level quite
0: yet. Uh, All right. you, you might as well get ridiculous. Ridiculous. just get it, like, across the arm <laughs> or something. Or, I, don't know, I think it's too many letters for the knuckles. Uh yeah. Yeah, it might be. Maybe I get across my
2: forehead or something. So
0: I, I, really <laughs> I am significant. <laughs>
2: hey, I, I'm telling you. I'm, after we're done here, I might go get that done. You
0: never know. No, yeah, you, you yeah, you definitely gotta gotta send me send me a message that if if you're doing that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I want to get your so, help. <laughs> yeah, so that was last year's deadline. Uh, this year's trading deadline uh, just passed a couple of days ago, and you, my friend, you broke the big news of the deadline. You had the Mike Clevenger deal, man. That's, congratulations, first of all. Um Just kind of, I mean, I, I know those were kind of drawn out drawn out things, but could you just kind of, you know, take us through, you know, getting and breaking the, the Clevenger trade?
2: Yeah, it was something I've kind of been eyeing out for a few months, and I kind of evaluated who is more likely to get dealt and I asked around and and the number one name that came back to me was Mike Clevenger and I immediately tried to identify the fits and who would possibly go there and I did as much digging as I could and I made it my number one priority to try to break that move along with some other big ones that wound up not happening. Um, But I saw the reports the day before the deadline saying that Clevenger, there was progress with the Padres and I messaged a few people who would know and they were adamant with me um, that a deal was not happening and that I could report that. Um, but in the months before that, I was trying to find out as much information as I could to try to benefit these sources, to try to put myself in a position to break it. Oops, sorry, I ended up hitting something there. Um, but anyways, um, like the day of, or later that night, I would say about one o'clock in the morning, I got a text from a source with very good knowledge of what was going on. It was just the eyeball emojis. And it's like, okay, that I woke up at 5.30 that message. And I was like, okay, something's something going down. And then at about, I don't know, 15 minutes before I ended up breaking the trade, I got a text from somebody saying something's about to go down. And about five or so minutes later, Clevenger to the Padres was the text. And it's like, okay, can wow. I tweet it? He said, he said, go break it. And I t- typed out the tweet and it sent, and I watched my Twitter go up in flames. It was, it, was, it was legitimately one of the coolest experiences of my career. Like seeing that and getting, like I think, like people see a scoop, but like seeing what happened behind the scenes with um, like the messages I got, the tweet from John Heyman and um like all the support from the people was really cool. Um and like that was something that meant a lot to me. And yeah, as I said, that's that was probably even cooler than getting the scoop.
1: Yeah, um I I don't know. I mean that was that was big time. It was awesome to, you know, see one of our old brewers guys get arguably the biggest news of the entire trade deadline
2: yeah it's like even it's something i've always wanted to do um like like be a, a big news breaker like i know i'm people mostly follow me for my brewer stuff but being able to be in a position of breaking like that is is uh is something i don't take lightly it's it's such an honor it's like it, i don't know if that's the right way of putting it but it just it's really cool yeah. I appreciate all the support I've gotten. I, I can't sit on my
0: Someone hire this guy, really. Like if yeah. if you're in charge of some sort of major publication, like hire this hire this guy right here. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but hire him.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I I'm I'm hoping I I'm hoping we can get something pretty soon. Like I I want to get back and like last few months have really like I've always had a like the internal fire of being in journalism, but like this last few months, have just kind of really just taken that flight to a whole new level. So I'm hoping that we can have something soon, but um, I understand there's a pandemic going on and it might not be, not be as easy as, um, as I'm I'm hoping it will be. I mean, it's
1: great though, to see that, you know, you're still able to do this um, despite not having a, you know, an official position, like it's, it goes to show how hard you've been working. Um, just to keep at it. I mean, it would have been easy to just, you know, go in a different direction until a, you know, actual job came. So, I mean, like how have you, What I guess, what was your strategy for doing that? Or did you have one just kind of, you know, play it by ear the whole way?
2: Yeah. Like I, not having an official position is, is kind of difficult it is just because you're not tied to any specific, like affiliate. And um a lot of people ended up thinking that maybe i was able to break news because i was at the athletic Mm -hmm. and i wanted to prove that wasn't the case that like i'm not going to try to like i don't want to steal the ultimate cliche of from a player saying i put a chip on my shoulder but it kind of motivated me Mm -hmm. and i wanted to prove that I wasn't just a product of the system and i made it a point to reach out to new contacts to try to build my network and um, I just try to get better, like overall, with my sources, and, and uh, I, I hope I prove that. There's still a long way for me to go. Like I'm not at the level I want to be at, but um, I'm happy with where I'm at. But I just realize that the ceiling is a lot higher than um, than where I'm at right now.
0: A lot like Freddie Peralta, the ceiling is a lot higher than where (laughs) he. Yeah,
2: I just, I just wish I had as fastball as good as he does because he's got. Yeah, uh,
0: well, that good of a fastball, you might not be a reporter. You might actually still be playing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I swear, if I could get my velocity over fifty, we might be having a different conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Dave,
1: I can't believe you threw out Freddie instead of Corbin. Because, because Corbin, Corbin is reaching that potential.
0: Like, oh, okay there. I, mean, I mean all right let's since we're there might as well let's talk corbin burns all right i've been on this hype train since the very beginning and last year i was saying this guy is going to win a cy young and he tanked like and it dunk like why watching that unfold oh so bad I, I still get twitter hate from it sometimes um but Corbin Burns coming back in 2020, and he is, he is proving all those haters wrong. He is proving me right, which I definitely very much enjoy. Uh, <laughs> 278 ERA, 12.8 Ks per nine. Uh, overall, he's just looking nasty. Um, you know, Robert, what have you seen from, from Corbin Burns? It seems different from last year to this year.
2: Yeah, like, for last year, his struggles really confused the Brewers just because the stuff and the analytics showed that it was as good as ever. And, like, it was just completely flummoxing watching him give up home run after home run after home run. And this offseason, he really tried to kind of reinvent himself, and he worked with a mental coach to try to improve his mindset, um, try to improve himself physically, um, and also really try to improve his arsenal and try to, like – have it complement each other better. Um, and he's really ended up doing that. His location's been better. Um, and he's been able to generate whiffs at a really high rate. And that's the potential that the Brewers saw in year one, where he dominated out of the bullpen. Um, and where everybody thought he was going to be the next homegrown superstar, which is a story I wrote, an in-depth story I wrote for the athletic. Um, so you're not alone in the fact that we both hyped him up. Um, and he completely just bombed, uh, um, but Burns is a guy that the organization is really high on and he ended up getting trade interest last year um, from teams trying to buy a low and the Brewers were insistent that he was going to be okay, even though his numbers were just putrid. Um, and this year that interest really accelerated at the deadline. He drew quite a bit of interest from other teams. I think one of those teams, this is not confirmed, but it was, I believe the White Sox were trying to get him. Um, and oh. the Brewers basically shut him down and said no. Any team that <laughs> inquired about Burns, it was no. Like, you're not getting Burns. Um, all right, give us Luis Robert Eloy Jimenez think about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, and Yohan Mankata and then everybody else in, uh, on your roster for Burns. No, but, yeah. like, in all seriousness, like, Burns is going to be a very good pitcher, whether it's in the rotation, which is what the Brewers want, or – out of the bullpen because he's proven he can be effective there. But I would imagine he's going to end up being a starter. But um, this year, we've really seen what he did in the offseason, trying to improve both mentally and physically, along with his arsenal,
0: just is blossoming on the field. And that's why we're seeing the results. Yeah, and Burns' last start, six innings, scattered three singles, ten strikeouts. I mean, it was just – it was just kind of everything – that Brewers fans and the Brewers have really kind of been expecting for for the last couple of years. I mean, he finally kind of got to point going deep into a game, and, you know, he seemed to really have yeah. stuff and was just keeping guys off balance all throughout the night. And and those three hits that were against him, those three singles, they were all soft contact. Like, there was a solid hit off of him at all.
2: Yeah, like, that was an issue from last year was giving him so much hard contact. Like, teams were just – crushing him and it was like i even remember asking burns or or people around the brewers last year if he thought he was tipping his pitches and nobody thought that and it was just it was so confusing in this series at least so far it appears he's figured it out but um he yeah like if he continues this and he's able to just continue to improve he might end up being one of the better brewers starting pitchers that we've seen in recent memory and it's He's got the, the ability to. He's shown that he can do it now. It's just the ability. or He needs to just show that he's able to do it consistently.
0: Do you think he could end up being than Woodruff, or, or should we not try to make a comparison and see who's better at this point?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of dangerous to do um,
0: like the comparison
2: game, but I think his ceiling is higher than Woodruff's. And Woodruff, I think, is very good. Like, yeah. I, Well, he is very Good. Like it's there's no debating in that, but I think from a pure um, stuff standpoint, Burns has the ability to be better than Woodruff. His ceiling is higher.
0: Yeah, we, we can at least settle on they're just two very good pitchers. We can we can just leave it at that. Um, exactly. But yeah, I, I, I took a look at his his arsenal and really kind of like what Burns is doing. And I mean, his fastball usage is is down. Usage uh, is down. Actually, like he was. You know, I, I think when, in, like, all the home runs he gave up last year, like, he was missing a lot within – and he left a lot of fast right down the middle, it seemed like, and everything kept on getting hit out. And he was really kind of mostly a two-pitch guy. He, he had a fastball and he had the slider, which was, like, almost 90% of the pitches that he threw. I mean, his, uh, his, his other two pitches, his curveball and uh, – Split finger, I think Fangraphs has it as. Those two combined for a total of like eleven percent usage. So he was he was essentially a two pitch guy, and he couldn't command his fastball within the strike zone. So it just kind of that doesn't te- that doesn't seem to lend itself to to too much success. But this year, the fastball usage is down, and he's got he added a cutter this year, uh, which has seemed to be going really well. I mean, he's throwing it like ninety three, ninety four miles an hour, and it's just it's just diving, like it's it's beautiful, um, and he's got all of his secondary pitches are spread out between like ten and eighteen percent usage um, amongst four of those secondary pitches. So it's it's you know a different arsenal the, the way he's he's using it. He's got five pitches that he's mixing and matching a whole lot better with with good fastball command and good command within the strike zone now.
2: Yeah, it's 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 showing, too, because you mentioned last year him using only the fastball and the slider and not being able to locate the fastball. It was, for lack of a better phrase, it was like a poor man's version of Freddy Peralta, because uh, Peralta's always had that really good fastball and that slider, or he's been trying to improve the slider, I should say. Um, but Burns this year, as, as you've mentioned, he really wanted to improve the secondary pitches, and he has. Um, Because he's even got a much better feel for um, those secondary pitches. If you talk to people around the Brewers or just, yeah, his teammates too, um, they'll even tell you that he's a completely different pitcher this year than he was last year. And and the fact that he's got the confidence in those pitches too is huge. Um, Because last year, if you're a starting pitcher and you can only throw two pitches, you're not going to go deep into ball games. Like that's just, nope. I don't care who you are. It's not going to happen. Um, because teams the second, third times through the order are going to catch up to it. And that's what ended up happening. Cause you would always have that one bad inning where it just imploded on them. Um, but this year as with those secondary pitches, he's able to pitch deep into ball games. And, um, if he's able to continue to, improve upon those pitches which the Brewers are really optimistic that he can. He's got like ace potential. Like he's
0: he's got a shot to be a Cy Young winner. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but like he's he would be
2: in that conversation for maybe like top five. Like
0: he yeah. he's, he's got he's got legit stuff. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, you you have you have legit stuff like that, and you have just a really good season. You end up with a Cy Young, and one day, I'm I'm telling you, one day he is going to win it, and I'm going to, I'm I'm just going to be the happiest guy on Twitter, and I'm going to make sure no one forgets uh, about my prediction. <laughs>
2: So, okay, yeah, the day that he wins the Cy Young, I'll, I'll, I'll have to remember to mute you or something. Uh, no, I'm just. I'm It'll be an all day. Uh, D. Gasper24 had it first. Corbin Burns, Cy Young winner. Yeah, yeah, first reported, yeah, by David Gasper. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Look at that. See, that's a scoop I don't think anyone else could get. That's get. <laughs> that, that would be an impressive one.
0: Yeah. Got, like, had the scoop people. before anyone else. Years. Years before anyone else caught on.
2: Yeah, well, I love it.
1: I love it you know I think to speak to your point a little bit on the secondary pitches um you're right using the cutter a lot more the, the one thing I think is really interesting is the way he's used his changeup and slider so he's throwing a slider like exclusively to right hand batters pretty much at this point where as he threw it more to right handers last year but not as exclusively as this year and then the changeup has been the complete opposite he's throwing almost exclusively to left-handed batters. And as a result, he's only given up two hits off his changeup all year, zero hits off of his slider all year. So he's using them in the right situations as well. And then obviously when you do that mixed with your your main heater, um, he's keeping uh, batters off balance in the perfect way. And I don't know if that's something they – planned out beforehand between him and his catchers and whatnot. But, uh, you know, his pitch mix has been – it's been a huge part of how he's gotten to where he is.
2: Yeah, and, like, so this is a, an interesting thought that I know a couple of people have brought up behind the scenes, maybe not with the Brewers, but, like, around the league and everything, is Yasmani Grandal last year was a guy that liked catching the fastball, and he called a lot of fastballs. And some people were wondering whether that kind of impacted um, how some of these pitchers were performing just because they were throwing so many fastballs. And this year having a guy like uh, Narvaez or uh, having Manny Pena, and now you have uh, Nottingham up there because Pena's hurt, um, having a different kind of catcher and a different kind of um, guy calling the calling the game behind the plate, uh, how much that kind of impact of burns and some of these other pitchers and you also have the factor that something every single writer has tried to figure out who's been around the brewers is what is going on in the lab down in Arizona <laughs> like i tried my dartest like i i yeah I, I tried and i could not find out anything i know adam mccalvey was asking about it too and uh we we got basically nowhere fast and like if if you're talking about two possible influences, on how Burns and some of these other guys are performing, I think maybe having a different catcher. I think I don't want to take any way or anything away from Grandal because he's one of the best pitch framers in baseball. Um, but having a guy who doesn't call primarily fastballs and maybe a different kind of way to call it, um, along with what the Pitch Lab gave Burns and the feedback that he got. Um, is, I think that's kind of. There's been a number of factors, but I think two of those are kind of really underrated for for him and some of these other guys.
0: Yeah, I think if they let you in to see what was in the pitching lab, they would literally have to kill you. It like you would not walk out of of that. So I, okay, it. I actually did have somebody tell me that. Yeah, I had somebody
2: like if they said if you walk in there, we're gonna have to. Kill you. They were they were joking obviously, but like. Right. Because they are really very. Joking. Yeah, like I I have a couple of, of folks who I'm going to try to hit up to see if they'll give me some insight into it, but I'm I'm not optimistic in the slightest.
0: I, I am I am I am 100% sure that like if somehow you did get in there and like were able to like tweet out some details, like you would be legitimately banned from Maryvale and Miller Park and like they would not let you anywhere near uh, the organization if you somehow did that. Yeah, there's no shot. I feel like that'd be kind of like breaking into Fort Knox, if
2: we're being honest. Like that's yeah, that might even be breaking into Fort Knox.
0: Yeah, and try, try to break into the CIA building, like you, and and steal. Like it's not, it's not gonna happen.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if that that lab was actually like, outlined with snipers or something, just because <laughs> <professional laughs> <comedian. laughs> yeah, right. yeah, they're they're very careful with that thing. That is that is for sure.
0: Yeah. And and talking about, um, or back on like Grandal and and the way like he called pitches, I think, I mean, Grandal, like it's entirely possible that, you know, the way he kind of did games hurt Corbin Burns and, and, you know, perhaps some of the other Brewer pitchers. But I think having him was a huge success for Zach Davies, who, I mean, he kind of gets by with, with mediocre stuff and living on the edges and needs those extra strikes called with, with good framing. So, I mean, Zach Davies had a really good year last year. Uh, The Brewers traded him to San Diego along with Trent Grisham. Um, And a lot of Brewers fans are kind of, you know, upset seeing that, seeing how well those two are playing. And then, you know, Eric Lauer having some struggles in the rotation, but I mean, Luis Urias, he has uh, come onto the scene pretty strong. Um, you know, he's finally healthy. I mean, he had the, he had the broken hand back in the winter and, and in the spring. Didn't get any sort of spring training. As soon as he was ready to come back, spring training shut down. Uh, and then as soon as summer camp started, he had uh, corona. And now he's finally back and he's playing. And, you know, he's been in the leadoff spot for probably like four or five days, which is something that like we've been pushing for for, for a while and instead of, you know, guys like Eric Sogard or Omar Narvaez somehow being up in the leadoff spot or, or Avicel Garcia been um, right. Ben Gamble the past like two days, I think. Um, but I mean, Luis Urias, I mean, he's been, he's been really good since coming over. Um, he's, he's got a great pedigree as a hitter and, and the top of the lineup kind of hitter uh, moving forward. And, you know, he's had that competition with Orlando Arcia that we've kind of been waiting for. That's kind of been pushed back with Urias not able to play, but um, you know, now they're both kind of playing and, and Urias has been cutting into Arcia's time a little bit, even though Arcia is also having a strong offensive season.
2: Yeah. And I think that's kind of why that Rco was a sneaky trade candidate for the Brewers. Like the Blue Jays were interested in him. Um, I think that was something Ken Rosenthal reported to, um, is that Arcia was a, a very sneaky trade candidate. And I know Ken mentioned Arcia as a possible non-tender candidate in the offseason. I don't know about that, uh, just because the Brewers are actually quite high on him. he signed super cheap. Um, mm-hmm. like, I, I know last year they soured on him a little bit just because he was so inconsistent defensively and offensively. Um, but the impact that uh, Urias has had, um, he is, he's someone they're very high on, and that's why they were comfortable pulling the trigger on a Grisham and, and Davies deal is because they believed in the guy and thought he would end up being a long-term answer in the, in the infield. Um, and injuries have just been the thing that have held them back. And now that he's healthy, he's showing that he can play, that he's good defensively, and um, that he's got the ability to be a difference maker. With um, that being said, that trade, the second it was made, caught me off guard from the fact that the organization loved Trent Grisham. Like, they were very high on him. And I wondered if what happened in Washington kind of played into that trade. And I was told adamantly it was nothing like that was a factor. It's just they believed in Urias that much. Um, But I don't know if it's going to end up looking – or I don't know if it's going to end up working out in their favor long term just because Grisham has a shot to be a complete difference maker in the outfield. Um, But the organization is is confident that Urias can – be just as good, if not better. Uh, And I know Eric Lauer has had his struggles too, and it's interesting that Chris Hook mentioned the other day that it was possible that he could end up getting called up, but the Bruce did not. Um, I think a huge factor in that, and it's something I'm going to tweet maybe tomorrow, um, is that by extending Lauer this long at the alternate site, it's going to end up delaying his service time, and it's Mm. going to delay his free agency by a year. Um, so this is just kind of like a, a game, or I shouldn't say a game. Um, it's something Stearns is st- strategically doing, just to try to like find a benefit to the team to have a guy like Lauer sign long term, with, with cheap for another year. So, like it's it's such an interesting trade to look at now. I'm curious how it's going to end up looking out or looking in a few seasons uh, once these guys prove where they're actually to be at for an extended period of time. But right now. I, I can see why the Brewers did it, but maybe I don't agree with it the, the most. It was, yeah, I just – I don't know. I, it's, I'm in wait-and-see mode as all but it
0: – Yeah, and, and I think also with that uh the service time manipulation thing that has been kind of an issue, I think that's the that the Brewers also did with Drew Rasmussen because um, I looked at, you know, when they called him up um, and, you know, if he stays up in the big leagues like from now until, you know, for the next couple of years – he's going to be just kind of right around just a little bit under um, where the average super two cutoff is. Um, so, I mean, I think that's something that they looked at with, with Rasmussen as well, holding him down as long as they did. Cause I mean, in camp, I mean, he really impressed the Brewers and, and he looked ready to, to be in the big leagues already, um, but they kept him down until about halfway through the season just to, you know, and then all of a sudden he's, uh, he's up just after the projected Cut off date. Yeah, and
2: he's he's someone the organization is excited about. Like I remember last year, I like, I would ask some of these guys, like in the front office or on a major league team or around the team, like who's the more underrated guy that you've heard about? And a wide majority of them said Jurasmussen. Like he's got I know he's had two Tommy Johns and and that's usually not a very good sign, but he's got stuff and we've seen it. Like that fastball is electric. Um, uh he's, he's someone that I don't think many people know about, but he could end up having, I don't want to say Devin Williams, kind of like break out onto the scene, but because his stuff is is, is wicked. Um, but Rasmussen is very good, and he's, he's probably going to end up being one of the more sneaky, underrated guys, I think, in baseball. And maybe this year, next year, or just going forward in general.
0: Speaking of Devin Williams, I, I think we should talk about Devin Williams for a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're talking, you know, underrated arms like you know Drew Rasmussen, whatever. Devin Williams. I mean, he was on MLB Pipeline's prospects list coming in the year. He was like what 18, like 16, 17, 18. Like he was somewhere in the teens on the prospect list, and now in a very short amount of time, this dude has become one of, if not the best reliever in baseball. I mean, his, his changeup, oh, my God, I think I'm in love with that. Like, I don't know if you can be in love with a pitch, but I am in love with that changeup from Devin Williams. I mean, it, hitters are like 0 for 31 or something against him. He's got like 20-some strikeouts on that pitch. 18.6 strikeouts per nine. 18. Like, how? How? Like, it, I, think, I think that'll play. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it'll play pretty well. I mean, that's just like, like every time he comes out to pitch, it, it's almost just like, you got to pay a little bit closer attention. It's like, oh, it's, it's Devin Williams. Like, you know I'm, I'm just excited to, you know, just see how he attacks hitters. Like it's, you, know, you, you don't really kind of get that one. It's like, Oh, Eric Yardley's out there. Like, you know, it's, and not taking anything away from Eric Yardley, but, When Devin Williams is out there, I mean, just watching him dot 98 on the corner and then throw an an 86-mile-an-hour changeup that just gets hitters looking like idiots, I mean, it's just a thing. It's not close.
2: Yeah. Like, for for Williams, like, uh, it's to the point now where I know Hader hasn't given up a hit this year, but he had that five-walk appearance where that was kind of not good. Um but he like, yeah, that was bad. You have to argue now that Williams so far has been their best reliever, even though Hader hasn't allowed a hit, which sounds absurd, but Williams has just been that good. Like, I I don't, I remember seeing him last year and just being like, okay, you can see why the organization is high on him. And this year, he's just taken off to a whole new level. And that change up, like, I watched, I think it was Pitching Ninja, um, ended up putting something out in Twitter with like the release and everything. and. Yeah. you got to see like how unique it is and like the like Brewers pitchers have tried to emulate that like they're trying to like pick his brain and everything and there's just there's no way they can replicate it just because it's that unique and he's just it, i don't I don't know if it's sustainable 18.6 strikeouts per 9 I don't, I don't know if that's something he <laughs> can do for a long period of time but like he's proven that he's legit and that he could end up being one of their better guys out of the bullpen. And having like, I don't know how long haters get to end up being in Milwaukee. Like uh, Maybe we get into that later in the show. I don't know. Um, but knowing you can have a guy like Devin Williams in the bullpen along with some of the other guys that they have, it has to make you feel at least pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, you ready for kind of stat cast stats because he ranks at the top or near the top of almost everything. 52.7% uh, percentage, that's first among qualified relievers. 50.5 whiff percentage, that's second to just mere Garrett on the Reds. Um, XBA of 107 first. Average exit velocity of uh, just 83 miles an hour. Uh, 15, you know, okay, compared to some of his other stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's the movement yeah. on that change. Um, it, his vertical movement to the average change up 7.8 inches is third best Horizontal movement to average of 4.8 is the best. Um, only one other reliever is even top 25 in both of those stats. It's um, hold on for this one. Ty Buttery, um reliever for the Eagles, um, wow, okay. is the only other guy. I mean, like it's it's ridiculous. That just goes to show. I mean, why his changeup is so hard to hit. And what's what's kind of crazy to think is. Um, you didn't really see this coming from his spring training performance. Um, He pitched in five innings. He gave up eight earned runs in those five innings for a 14.40 ERA, Um, seven strikeouts, six walks. Um, When, you know, before all this happened, and it was 26-man rosters with a max of 13 pitchers, um, when I was doing my initial projections for the roster, I had him off of it. You know, he had options. Um, There were... You know, if you look at the potential bullpen options at the time, I had Hader, Felt, Suter, Claudio, Burns, all these guys started in the bullpen this year, Bobby Wall. Um, I had Eric Lauer in the bullpen. Um, and then uh, Ray Black at the time wasn't hurt yet. Um, that left off not just Williams, but guys like Yardley and Fire Eisen and, you know, guys who would end up making it later. So, it wasn't at the time crazy to think that he might not make the roster, um, the way things were initially set up. And now that we see what he, what kind of performance he's turned in, like that's just insane to think that that was the level we may have been at at one point. Yeah,
2: like you're complete, you were completely justified for that projection. Like I would have probably have the same thing had I done the this like the same kind of story. Like I would have left Williams off because he showed obviously promise, but um, he didn't show that he was worthy of making the big league roster right out of spring training. And it's amazing how far he's come because it's just that unexpected. But um, I'm I'm curious to see what he ends up looking like for the rest of the year and going forward, just because if he's able to sustain this for maybe this year and even in the next year, that is going to – be a complete game changer for the Brewers, just because I don't think they could have ever expected a performance like this, and maybe it makes them more comfortable trading a like hater um, I don't
0: want to keep bringing that up, but um, hey, I, I don't mind. I mean, that's that, that's certainly a big topic, and and yeah, yeah. and you certainly know more about that topic than, than we do. I know he, I know Hater was drawing um, a, a decent amount of interest. The the Yankees were looking at him, the Dodgers, the Padres. Uh, I saw the Phillies were also looking at him, and think the White Sox, I, I'm not sure, but I mean, there were a bunch of teams that, that were named with, with interest. And, and I know the Brewers ha- have a high price, um, but you know, like, do, do you see this as, as something where before Hader reaches free agency, the Brewers are going to trade him or, or do you think they'll keep him all the way through or, or is it something that's just kind of waiting until, until the right moment? I don't know when it's going to
2: happen but I feel pretty confident in saying that Hayter will not go to free agency as a brewer. Um, I, I think he will be traded at some point. And I think this pandemic has really kind of increased the chances of that because how teams are operating now is they're going to want, well, except if you're the Padres, um, (laughs) they're going to want cheap, controllable assets. um, and in the Brewers' case, Mark Antonosso even went on the record at spring training saying the Brewers were not profitable last year. And the fact that they're not having any fans in the stands and they're not performing well and um, that they're probably going to end up losing money for a second straight year is going to probably result in some pennies being pinched. And that's going to end up meaning some guys are not going to be able to be extended. Um the brewers love Hater. Like, I don't want to like take that away from anything. Like, they love Hader. Uh, they think he's great, but what he's gonna command in free agency or just with an extension in general is probably gonna far exceed what they're gonna be comfortable paying. So before he ends up getting to that point, trading hater would make a ton of sense. The I mean, asking price this year was absurd. Um, like I had one executive say he heard the Brewers asked the raise at one point last year for Wander Franco um, like, I don't That'll know if that's actually, I don't know if that's actually legitimate um like that was secondhand but like it just shows
0: how much the Brewers were asking for hater um. And, mm-hmm. and the, if, you can get the, if you can get the race to agree, and be like, sure, we'll throw we'll throw in one to Franco and be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> hey, you might as well aim high. Like, it's for a guy like Hater, you have to.
2: And I, I like I want to like repeat like that is not confirmed with with Franco. I, I I'm not comfortable reporting that on Twitter. Like here, I can actually preface it by saying I don't know if right. this is true or not, but like it just shows how high the Brewers value Hater and how much they want for him. But I know they asked the Padres for a haul. Um, and the Padres were interested. Like they were like they were poking around there.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure that probably would have cost Mackenzie Gore, which I, I I didn't think was something that the Padres would be comfortable dealing. Um, and then like, and then I can tell you, when they got Trevor Rosenthal, I'm like, eh, I think they're done. Yeah, like I can tell you as a fact that Padres
2: have no interest in dealing with Mackenzie Gore. Like they told teams yeah. he was off limits. Um, like, even like uh, Campusano was off limits too because the Rangers wanted him for uh, either Lance Lynn or Joey Gallo. Um, oh. like, they were not willing to deal from their top five of prospects. And that's, they even got, they, they accomplished that by even like, while getting uh, Mike Clevenger, uh, which I thought was quite impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, A.J. Preller, I mean, he's he's been known to to work some magic. Like, his first year on the job, he, like, remade that whole outfield, and, like, nothing really worked out. And then he started this whole rebuild. But, I mean, that was really kind of – I mean, that, that was a lot of deals in a short amount of time there for the Padres. And, you know, they, they kept most of most of their top prospects. I mean, they gave up uh, Trammell, Taylor Trammell, Frost, and Nola, which I thought might have been a little bit of an overpay. But, I mean, Nola's been – you know, he, he's not, like, a huge name nationally, but, I mean, he's been playing really well for the past year or so. Yeah,
2: he's, he's someone that, like, people are wondering why the Padres would invest in a guy like that. But, I mean, he's, like, you look at him, he's 30 years old. He's got, like, 200-and-something major league at-bats, and, and he's got, like, 3,000 minor league at-bats. and um, That's not really inspiring uh, just because he's entering the downward hill of his career. Uh, that's more drastic than I wanted it to sound, uh, um, but uh, like he's he's cheap, he's controllable, um, and he can also he's really versatile in the infield. Like he can play multiple positions, he can catch, um, and they really like that about him. And their catching situation stunk before; um, it was it was not good. Francisco Mejia has been a huge disappointment for them. Uh, Austin Hedges was really good defensively, but he was brutal offensively. Um, and they really wanted over all that, and that was a guy they wanted. That's a guy they identified um, in Nola that could kind of change it. And they made some offers for him. And Mariners wanted more. And Platters kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and eventually got a deal done.
0: Do you guys remember when Francisco Mejia was the centerpiece in that uh, Jonathan Lucroy trade with the Indians back in like 2016 or something? And then and then Lucroy uh, vetoed the deal. Um, and like that, that whole like four piece thing went went away, and you know the the Brewers had to quickly turn to uh, Texas and and get a different deal. That that was a crazy time, and I mean, if the Brewers if the Brewers had made that initial deal and, and gotten Mejia instead of uh, Louis Brinson and, and Luis Ortiz, I mean, things could look a whole lot different because Brinson. I mean, Brinson was traded for Yelich. I'm not sure if the Brewers would have been able to trade, like, swap in Mejia for, for Brinton in that deal, but, you know, that that would have changed a lot. Yeah, you got to wonder where the Brewers would be at.
2: Like, that was – as soon as you mentioned that, like, my mind hadn't really thought about that until that point. Like, if that – like, there's so many things that – like, you look at that trade, then you also look at the, uh, the Wilmer Flores crying trade where – Oh, my God, uh, yeah. Is, like, I mean – like Doug Melvin had to squirm at the last second to try to find something, and lo and behold, he ended up getting what was it? That was uh, that, that was a Hater
0: trade with with uh, the Astros, and he got back Phillips and, and Domingo and Hater and Hauser and he gave up Mike Fires, and then Fires ends up being the guy to rat out the Astros and their cheating scandal. So the Astros come. So, And, and then that cheating scandal ends up costing the Mets Carlos Beltran as their manager, and it all just circles back because Wilmer Flores started crying on the field and the Mets blocked at the last minute, and because of that, five years ago, they had to fire Carlos Beltran before he even managed a game. It's just, it's, it's crazy.
2: The Brewers basically changed baseball history. <laughs> like Wilbur Flores crying in the field changed baseball history. Like looking at it, it's one of the most sneaky underrated moments in recent history. Like that's not even an exaggeration. Like that is like the the ramifications from Flores crying like that changed baseball. It's I'm confident in saying that it's like absolutely bananas. Uh, well, I, 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 had to, I had to give a shout out to bananas. By the way, like I, I can't do a podcast like this. <laughs> do, do
0: you have any bananas there uh, on the side? <laughs>
2: <laughs> like at least ten of them. I, I'm cooking steaks for dinner. Once we're done with this, so I won't be having ten bananas for 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 dinner. Ah. yeah, that was yeah. That uh, maybe maybe another night. Just to kind of like relive that one night in the in the press box. What was it like? Eight bananas or something that they had in the press box? Yeah, eight bananas in ten minutes. I ended up bringing in a bundle, of, or is it a bundle or a bushel of bananas? I, I don't know which one it is, but Thanks. I stuck them in a minute. The uh-huh. bunch. What's that? The bunch of bananas. Bunch of. They, that's the truth. It really is a bunch of bananas. But like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I brought them in. I, like, I remember that night vividly. Like, I brought them in my, in my backpack into the stadium. And a security guard looked through my backpack and kind of gave me, like, what is this creep doing here bringing bananas to the stadium? <laughs> and, like, it's like, just going to eat them for dinner. And, uh, yeah, I was, like, potassium overload that night. Like, I ended up eating those bananas before McKelvey, and Rosiak ended up finishing their, their plate of tacos. So I was i was proud of myself but i think i might have gotten judged pretty good for for that for like from the entire crew there that was that was
0: oh 100%. It, it almost sounds like a, an internet challenge like eight bananas in 10 minutes can you eat it like you know it's, it's like the how many glasses of milk in three minutes or something it's like i no, know if you actually do that you die but <laughs> <laughs> yeah not yeah you might end up dying from that who knows didn't die thankfully no, uh, yeah <laughs> not that I'm aware of yeah you never know still 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 yep, breathing. yep all right we're, yeah, we're still there we're good okay all right. so um, just, just kind of one last topic I, I, I think we should uh, should hit on um, so the David Phelps trade because uh, Bruce did make one move at, at the deadline uh, trading David Phelps to the Phillies for three players to be named later, and then 30 minutes later, it was later, and they were named. <laughs> and uh, Adam McAlvey had the had the reports on on those three players: uh, two teenagers and one guy who just turned 20 the, the same day he was traded. Um, you know, I I looked at some of them. Was you know, guys from like the Dominican Summer League. Uh, one dude had like a sub-2 ERA, you know, high, you know, really good strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, have you gotten a chance to kind of, you know, take a close look at those guys or, or look at that trade or, or have any uh, uh, thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not going to say I've done a, a deep dive into the players or anything. Like, but the trade on the surface, to me, I thought it was a smart one because getting three players for a guy like David Phelps where... He, I didn't think of him as a big addition in the offseason. Uh, he performed well for the Brewers, don't get me wrong. Um, but he was someone, I think, where you had to maximize his value. And in this case, I saw McAlvey mention this, and this is exactly where my mind went to when I saw it was three young guys like this, is it reminds me of a lot of the Adam Lynn trade, um, where it was you getting a bunch of... Uh, and it turned into a chance on for young guys. You know, they're relying on your scouts to like, identify talent that might be laying in the weeds. Um, so I, I thought, from that perspective, it was a really good move. And they still have capable arms in the goal in the bullpen, so I think they're going to end up being okay there. But um, they're obviously going to miss Phelps. But in the case of Stearns, when you're evaluating this team and seeing that the Brewers are under 500, their offense is. Um, uh, I, don't wanna, I was about to say something that would have probably not been smart. Um, <laughs> it, it's not good at all. Um, like it, it's, it's very bad. Um, this is probably not a team you invest in. I know they explored upgrades, and they were, they were actually close to adding a bat. Uh, I don't know who it was. Um, but like this is a team where if you had the opportunity to maximize the value of someone on your team, he ended up taking that chance and that's why they ended up moving on from Phelps.
1: Yeah. I mean, the way I described it is just logical. You know, it was a move that made sense. Phelps, like a lot of the guys that got picked up over the off season has an option for next year. The Brewers weren't going to pick that up and, you know, pay 4.5 million. I think It was for him. So, you know, the, they dealt from the, the one really main position of strength on the team, which was the bullpen. Um, And he was going to be the one guy to go. So, you know, you get some value back for him. It's three young guys, exactly like you said, you know, shades of the Adam Lind uh, deal. They've got a while before they're going to be anything close to um, contributing for this team. They were all in rookie league last year, but, you know, you've got time now to develop them. You know, they all performed pretty well at rookie league. All of them had an ERA under four. all had K through – paper nines in the 11s last year so you know yeah against rookie league competition but you know that's that's a good base to work off of at least so it's it it made absolute sense for the team oh absolutely like i
2: couldn't agree with you more on that like it's it was why they ended up pulling the trigger on it and why they didn't end up pulling the trigger on some other moves um is they couldn't find value that like fit that criteria like i know they got interested in brett anderson um and I think they also got some calls on Josh Lindblom. I'm not positive of that, but some of their other relievers too drew interest. Um, like I, I know they were willing to listen on guys like Jed Jerko or Eric Sogard, but those guys got no calls at all. Um, like no, nobody was interested. Like I was kind of surprised about Jerko because he's, he's swung a relatively hot bat recently. I mm-hmm. uh, Wasn't surprised at all about Sogard, but um, mm-hmm. like they, they were willing to make moves. Um, if as long as the value was there, and as you both mentioned, they got it with the David Phelps trade, but they just weren't able to get it elsewhere. Um, but I think the word that, that you used was was logical, and that's exactly right.
0: Yeah, and you know when you think of that that Adam Lind trade, I mean, you get Freddie Peralta out of that, and you know, I mean, it's it's three lottery ticket arms, basically, basically three lottery ticket teenage arms, and if just one of them hits. You, like you make out like a bandit in that trade. Um, so, I mean, the Brewers, I mean, they, they caught lightning in a bottle the, the one time they they got the jackpot there with, with Freddie Peralta, even though he hasn't, you know, established himself in the rotation. Still, I mean, they signed him to an extension, really good young arm. He's going to, at the very least, be a very good bullpen arm for several years. Um, so, I mean, that that's a huge win for the Brewers. And, you know, if one of these guys – um, Brandon Ramey, Israel Puelo, and Juan Geraldo—I believe—were um, their names. You know, if, if any one of them turns out to be, you know, anything at the big league level, I mean, one was a 30th round pick, uh, the other two were international signees from 2017. Um, so, I mean, if you can get, you know, anything out of out of any one of those guys, it's it's a huge win for for the Brewers. Huge, and that's
2: as you said, they're lottery tickets, and they all three of them are not gonna pan out. They they recognize that. But if one of them does, like Freddie Peralta did, that deals a success. And um, th- it all comes down to their scouts. Like I, I know this is a very rough time for scouts in baseball these days. Like they're getting let go at a rapid rate. And they're about to get it's about to get even worse in the offseason. It's gonna be a bloodbath. Um, but the Brewers are trusting their scouts that have been there for a while and and that's why they ended up doing it. That's why they felt comfortable making a trade for these three guys.
0: Yeah, I saw the, I saw you reported that the Brewers uh, let go of a bunch of their scouts, um, and you know, a couple of them, you know, on, on Twitter, and uh, they're upset about it. And, and really, just kind of scouting, just kind, of is it kind of just seems to be a underappreciated part of of baseball at the moment, and you know like I, I don't know how much like you can share about like you know the the brewers like letting those guys go uh, but you know yeah it it just really kind of seemed tough for, for the organization who seemed like you know they, they had a really good scouting group and um, that they were gonna you know keep those guys for a while and and, and you know keep those guys good and, and keep all their baseball ops uh, employees uh, through the through everything um, but it just kind of didn't seem to end up happening.
2: No, it's it's tough. Like the scouts of the Brewers let go. Um, good scouts. Um, don't get me wrong, but uh, they just felt like it wasn't a fit for them, just because they, I know at least one of them that I heard they they didn't believe that he bought in um, to what they were trying to do going forward, and and that's why they ended up making the move. Um, it's it's something that teams are gonna have to have to do going forward is they're going to have to reshuffle their scouting report or their, their scouting staffs, and um, try to identify people who are going to fit long-term into their vision. Um, and that's a constant process, not just in, for the Brewers, but everywhere. Um, but that's not taken away from what, what they ended up doing, because some of those scouts that were let go um, brought them big leaguers and, like, productive big leaguers, big leaguers too. Um, so it's uh, I'm not trying to read too much in it, just because it's giving an industry-wide trend. But it's just it's a really unfortunate one. When you consider how many lives are being impacted.
1: Matthew, any last words? Um, no, uh, unfortunately, I just checked in on the game score, and I'm gonna uh, try and convince you guys not to do the same until you're prepared to see it. Um, oh well, boy, that's all I got. Oh, yeah. I so okay, I'm gonna say time.
2: it's uh, well, it's the first two innings, so it's guaranteed. Oh, my it's,
1: it's it's the first. Oh, it's a score. It's a three zero in the top of the first. Oh, it's that! Uh-huh. Jesus! Oh my goodness! And, and we yeah, know, this is, uh... uh how much we love to score runs in the first and second. So I'm sure it'll take us a while to we try and uh, make our comeback. Yeah, well, Is it still at six runs for the first two innings? I haven't Nine. seen the last. I thought we got we scraped a couple since then, but yeah, we'll, yeah a couple. we might
2: be
0: up to like eight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Holy cow. Rally time. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, man, that's just – that's rough. And and, and that's Hauser getting the start tonight. And, you know, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he, he's pitching contact more this year. He, he's not really kind of striking guys out as much. And it's just kind of it, – it's been a bit rougher for him. Yeah. Maybe, oh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe – what he needs to do
2: is vomit on the mound again to get back. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't done it yet this year. He's due for one. Yeah, he. or oh, he is due for one. Like I'm, I'm stunned that he hasn't actually. Well, I'm not, I'm not stunned, but like he is due for one though. Like I, I feel bad for him because I remember last year I went up to him and asked him. I was like, "Hey, uh, I'm doing a story on you vomiting on the mound." Like, like everybody had a, a throwback and. He looked at me and like, he actually started to laugh and he was super cool about it. Then two weeks later, he vomited on the mound again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, son of a god, I jinxed him. You well, know. Clearly,
1: you need to touch base with him again, I
2: think. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a, a jingle real quick and, and see what he says. Yeah. Well,
1: hope yeah. M- Maybe before the second inning. I can.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that might be uh, against the rules, but hey, you know what? Might as well give her a shot. It's, it's all different rules this year anyway. That's true. A pandemic ball is a is a lot different than regular ball. That is for sure.
0: All right, Robert, I, I want to ask you one final thing. All right, like you're talking about, you know, when you're when you're writing, covering the team. Can yeah. Can you tell us about the first time? Because um, you came in, I think like mid 2018 season or or 2017 or something. Um, first time that uh, you went down in the clubhouse after a game uh, and asked an interview question to a player. Can, can you just, can you just tell that story? Yeah. Okay. I'll never forget it. Like it's, it's probably a story that will not be topped.
2: Um, I it was after the game and Corey can had just blown the game. And he was at his locker doing an interview and like the mood was super somber. And like um, you could clearly tell, tell he was frustrated and he was down in the dumps. And I asked him, is your confidence wavering? And he looked at me like stone faced and said, Stupid question next. And he looked away. <laughs> and for the rest of the year he did not look at me. Like it was like, oh my God. Like I had heard nothing but great things about Corey as a person. And I remember him giving me that answer. And I'm looking around. I see Adam McKelvey. I see Todd Rosiak. I see Tom Hodricour just like holding holding it in, like, oh my God, like that just happened. And like I thought he hated me. And I continued talking to his teammates and everything, and or throughout the remainder of the season. But I just I didn't talk to Corey because I was actually like nervous because that was his first impression of me, and that was terrible. Um, and it was during the celebration in St. Louis when um, he like it was like I walked in. And I was talking to these guys, interviewing them. And then I feel somebody tap on my shoulder. And it's Corey Knable. And he said, hey, Robert, uh, I didn't know who you were at the time. And I took it out on you. And he said, you were right. It, I was losing my confidence. And he said, I don't want you to view me as that way as a person at all. And we ended up talking for about 10 minutes and just shooting the breeze and talk, like just talking about the season and uh, how we overcame those struggles. And it was something I never went public with just because it, it, it was a private moment. Um, but Corey Knable is to this day, somebody I, I genuinely very much like and respect. Like he is somebody I can go up to and just talk about anything. And like, I cannot stress enough how good of a person he is. And it's a conversation I've never forgotten because at right as that moment happened, Um I was unsure if I could do this. Like I was like it 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 scared me. And the second he came up and apologized to me, I believed in myself. Like I I was like, Okay, I know what I'm doing. Like I was I was right up on the ask it. Um but that moment and like seeing him again in Houston last year, uh as he was coming off of his Tommy John surgery and we caught up for about fifteen minutes. Um like, it was to the point where like, we're friendly enough where he invited me down to Arizona to write a story about his his uh, Tommy John rehab. Like, I was going to go super in-depth with it, but the Brewers declined that just because they didn't want anybody going behind the scenes there. Um, but yeah, like having somebody say a stupid question next, like, or stupid question next, and then looking away from you, and your first ever time asking a question after a game, I cannot tell you, like, can I swear on here? Yeah, go for it. I almost shit my pants. Like, it was <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, like, it was, man, like, it's something I still, like, I, I should probably text Todd Rosiak about that moment again, because um, we did, like, for a couple months after that, uh, like, it was a running joke, but, like, man, like, I, like, I cannot, I, I want to make it clear. Like that was probably the wrong way to phrase the question, like how I did. Um, but Corey Canable is an awesome dude and someone that I genuinely really like and respect. Um, and I, I don't want people to think any different than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that, that, that's an amazing story. And honestly, if I was in your same spot, I, I would have been like same level of scared and just feel like, oh my god, like I just I just did that and and he just did that to me and like what am i like it's, it's one of those moments where you just kind of want to fall into a hole and die you know <laughs> oh, yeah you're not wrong i wanted to just like end it right there like, it was like you know what
2: I, I i've lived a really good 22 years of life I, let's, just, let's, <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, let's just call it a day yeah but yeah. no right, you're and then just walk out and never return exactly yeah like where'd robert go uh well he, he got shot down by cory and he was never seen again yeah well, no like, yeah I, like, again just i know i've said it a lot but cory can able great dude like that's he's he's someone that yeah like, I'll, I'll always he'll always have my back and i'll always have his back
0: fantastic truly Um, I I think that's, I think that's a great spot to end for today. Um, Robert Murray, thank you so much for, for joining us here on the cold brew podcast. Uh, had a lot of fun, a lot of great insight. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. So that will do it for our inaugural episode of the cold brew podcast. Uh, we'll continue to come back every single week, talk all things brewers and share a couple of beers while we're doing it. Uh, It's going to be a good time, and and we'll keep it rolling and uh, continue rolling with the guests. I'm sure to uh, tune in next week for the next edition of the Cold Brew Podcast for Robert Murray and Matt Carroll. I'm Dave Gasper. We will see you next time.